you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and Jay Macron tap to help us navigate the show. Today we are asking um, just a simple question. I, I guess it's a simple question, but we just want to have a conversation around it. And that question is, what do we believe? What do we believe? What do we As, believe? What do we believe? Sound like a grits song. It is, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's worth it's worth discussing um, today. I We had the wonderful opportunity to be with some of our family in Sylvester, Georgia, yes. over the weekend. And, oh, my goodness, it's. I was saying this to Mandy, and this is just, you know, the genuine posture of my heart that, we know that the Lord's church is around the world, certainly across this country, but around the world and um, that members of the body of Christ are everywhere, you know, but when you go to a place and you meet genuine believers who before you go there, you didn't know who they were. You know, you didn't know that they were striving after holiness, just as you are striving after holiness, loving the Lord Jesus with everything that they have and all that they are and sitting under sound doctrine and teaching and their kids are being uh, discipled and trained in godliness. You didn't know all those things were happening. And then you go and you learn that those things are happening. And there's like your heart just kind of expands Mm. just a little bit more Mm. where you're like, those are our people. Those are our people and they Mm -hmm. exist and here they are. And and that's true all across the country. Uh, But it's just something that's tangible when we go. When we go and we see and we have an opportunity to both encourage and be encouraged. And then, of course, our kids are sad because they have to leave because automatically these become their best friends. Right. (laughs) Like these are like, why do we have to leave our best friends? So um, we had a wonderful time this weekend uh, encouraging parents and hopefully youth as well. I got to tell you, we um, have given talks in several different places and there's been um, all sorts of responses or there have been all sorts of responses to what we're talking about, but not like what I saw and learned about in Sylvester Mm. um, at Antioch Baptist church there with some of the youth as I was presenting some info and, and talking through some of the stats to see some of the youth there in real time, deleting some of the apps from their phone and just saying, you know, it's, it's not worth it. Like why, like why, you know, which I think is such a testimony of the discipleship and the training that they're receiving that when, when um, encountering the truth, making a real time decision to say, whoa, you know, not just kind of like, oh, maybe we'll think about it. Or even just being like, well, I know that's what the numbers say, but I'm okay. And not, you know what not, I mean? And not being told to do it by someone. Yeah. No, no. Right. Exactly. Hearing the truth themselves and saying, okay, this is it. That was incredible to me. (laughs) Like that just, that just blew my mind. um, The reports that I got uh, from, from some of the youth and, and even from, um, the sound guy, Dale, shout out, um, was was talking about how. <laughs> anyway, um, that pause was just, it was an inside joke, that pause. And you know what, you know what I mean. All right. Um, 
but just hearing from Dale that there were some of the young people who were up in the nest, I guess, I don't know what you call it in churches, where the sound booth is. <laughs> and um, Sound booth. The sound booth. Okay, up in the sound booth. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why I've got to make things trendy. The nest, the loft. Yeah, it's a sound booth. Okay? Sounds cool. I mean, you know, um, maybe I heard that somewhere. And you're probably know. right. We, we, um, you know. Somebody will know and tell us that it's a thing <laughs> or they'll tell us that it's not. Uh, but just hearing from Dale that, you know, as he was handling our presentations and making sure that those things got put in, mm. also navigating the video, that there were a couple of young people who were up there helping him. And he said how uh, so the young people were just like, did you did you know this? Have you have you seen this before? Have you, have you ever seen this before? You know, and uh, and he was like, no, you know, so that that is encouraging to me. I often feel like when we travel, will the great I feel like you get to bring such the encouraging word, you know, like this weekend <laughs> to tell the body of Christ. Yeah. We are in a spiritual battle. But we have weapons, that's and, right. and that's always the good news, right? Because yes. it's it's so discouraging, the things that we see happening in culture. And I feel like then my job is to show what the battle is. Like, I feel like <laughs> I always have to, like, ah, you know, here's the, f- the, f- the front lines, and here's where we are. But you and kept reminding you know, them that we have weapons. We have weapons, yeah. right. But you got to say it. I just, I, I just <laughs> reminded them of what you said, reminded yeah. them of the scriptures that you presented for us to hold on to, uh, because then so much of what I do is just kind of I try to open eyes that the battle is not imagined. It's not mm. something that we are, you know, just kind of faking. It's or try, it's Exactly. It's right. not something that's in our heads. It's a real battle that we're in. And people are really coming after our children and our grandchildren. And I think it was so encouraging this weekend uh, to spend time with fellow parents and grandparents who who were responsive and who said, and, you know, didn't know that. Uh, but now can't pretend that I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I got to gotta act on that information. So anyway, wonderful, wonderful time. It is great to be with our listeners today. We want to ask the question, what do we believe? Mm. And basing this on uh, the Ligonier Ministries uh, survey, the state of theology, uh, looking at where Americans are in this country as it pertains to theology, but also looking at where evangelicals are as it pertains to theology, a lot of the questions that I think we're asking today um, are kind of not the questions that we need to be asking. And, and let me let me qualify that statement. Some of the debates that become debates are such because people don't understand the fundamentals of what we believe as Christians. Mm. So the things that we talk back and forth about um the way we talk about those things, I think they reveal a lack of foundational understanding of what it is to be a believer, what that looks like, how we navigate that. And then the ultimate question, you know, has God, has God said, has he revealed to us who he is and what he requires? And of course, whenever I'm looking at information like this, I want to say that I started uh, utilizing the state of theology research in 2018. I think it's the first time that I included some of these numbers in one of my presentations and I've utilized it ever since they do this every couple of years and release information about where Christians are, where evangelicals specifically, yeah, where evangelicals specifically <laughs> reading this. I was like, Whoa, like, what's wrong with us? Right? Like, like what are we, what are we what? doing? <laughs> okay. And, and let me just, let me say this because I, I think that there are often questions that people have and, and rightly so there are questions that people have about, um, who is an evangelical and how do you, how do you describe that? And because you remember 
to be an evangelical uh, in the in the Trumpian era was like a pejorative, right? It was something that was offensive. It was something that was used mm-hmm. as uh, almost like an ad hominem attack, they like put an white attack in front on the of person. It a lot of times, they put white in front of it, then they <laughs> shortened it because they're they're masters at creating terms and then using those terms as weapons against people. And you say, what do you mean they? You mean the people of this age, and whatever forms that they either write or they they present the news, quote unquote, using my quotes there. Um, but the people of this age, they're masters at creating terms and then using those terms as weapons yeah. against people. Uh, so yes. evangelical became one of those things. Of course, it was white evangelical, but then it got shortened and it just became evangelicals, which I thought it was always, you know, at the height of this, I, which I hated to do. But I just thought it was so great to just be able to say, I'm a black evangelical. Like, what do you do with me? What about me? Because the category, even for like uh, Pew Research and and all of these um, these uh, demographers, when they look at demographics like they have, they have white evangelicals. Then they have like main mainline Protestants. Then they have the black church. And and I'm like, okay, but 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 I'm but I'm an evangelical and I'm black. So what category do you put me in? And so anyway, so here it's always important to define our terms because we're mm-hmm. going to look at this study and kind of ask some of these questions. And which, by the way, if I could just encourage you, we're all about like having these conversations, but yeah. then making them practical for you. So I would really like to encourage you to check out Ligonier Ministries, check out their website. If you just do a search for State of Theology, this this survey will come up. They, they conduct it every two years. And so the 2022 um, results are in. It's almost <laughs> the results are in. Where are we in this country, you know, as it pertains to theology? And of course, I find this information fascinating. Um, I would encourage you to to take the information and to have conversations about this with your kids and your grandkids. What do they know about what they say they believe? Mm. Now, look, you got to get past the place where you're like, I just want them to have the right answer. And so maybe you even kind of cringe or shudder at the thought of, you know, polling them asking them this survey, I'll just tell you, um, I, I don't shudder at this. I, I want to know, are we being effective as parents? Are we really passing down the ardent faith, the faith that was once and for all delivered to us? And so one of the ways that you can do this, once your kids reach a certain age, of course you can do it younger, but you've got to kind of pre-chew it, you know, make sure that they <laughs> understand terms. Um, but pre-chew. but we our kids have to know for you. Yeah. Our kids have to know what it is that they believe and, and why this is important. By the way, let me say this incidentally. Um, we are going to be in North Carolina uh, over the summer doing a week of biblical worldview uh, at the refuge. And we were there last summer mm-hmm. and we're going to be there again this summer, uh, July 16th through the 21st. Mayflies, here we come. Here, we, Y'all better get ready for us, okay? <laughs> because the first summer you caught us off guard. Yeah. We didn't know. But this summer, we are coming back I don't the think same we're, way that right, we were we're the last time. We don't have anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. Didn't it sound kind of a convincing thing, though? No, we really don't know. You guys can just move whatever you want. Please just leave the kids. Uh, the mayflies, are, they, don't, they don't bite. They're no, just it's they swarm. You derailed my announcement. Oh. We are going to be at the refuge in North Carolina uh, for youth from rising eighth grade to completed 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be there the entire week. And we are going to do presentation after presentation on biblical worldview. We are going to talk about the foundations of the faith. How can you defend the faith? And here's the thing. I think sometimes when we have worldview conferences and, and we've got, um, 
really well-versed speakers, and, and this is always a great thing, great apologists. I, I think sometimes the information is presented from a presupposition that we've got a good, firm foundation, um, just theologically, doctrinally with our kids. But I will just tell you that we are going into this week of camp um, presuming none of that. Mm-hmm. So we are going to lay foundation. We're going to, you know, um, look at where we are <laughs> in this country <laughs> and then say, OK, so let's make some assumptions, but many presumptions. Um, about where our kids might be. And so we're going to spend the week. Our kids will be there with us, and so they will be sitting in on these classes. And um, we just want to tell you about that in case that's something that interests you. If you are um, considering letting your kid go to summer camp, we cannot recommend enough the refuge in North Carolina. And it's not only because we're there, but it's because we know the leadership. Yeah. Because we know the leadership, and we understand that they have a heart and a strong conviction for truth and getting truth into the hearts of kids. Amen. And so I'll tell you, the website is ncrefuge.org. That's North Carolina. So ncrefuge.org. You can learn all of the information you need to know about that. The Unashamed Biblical Worldview Camp 2023. We're going to really dig in. Look, we are, there is a real, real battle that we're in. And again, here we go. We have weapons. Okay. <laughs> yes. Remember that we have weapon, what weapons. Monday mouth. It's Monday mouth, okay? Because (laughs) you take one day off where you're not talking a whole lot and then your mouth can't remember what to do. Um, But if I could just sincerely say, we as believers cannot bury our heads in the sand. Mm. Like we can't pretend that, you know, what we're doing is sufficient unless we are really giving it our all. But I think Mm. what, if we're honest, and I want to be very careful here, if we're honest, I think what we would say is that we're not giving it our all. We we think that the historical context for Christianity in America is still the current one and that most people are moral. Most people believe that the Bible is God's word. Most people believe that God is immutable, that he doesn't change, that most people believe that God is sovereign, ruling and reigning. And what we know is that in America, most people do not believe that. They do not agree with those statements. And unfortunately, there are um, a concerning amount of evangelicals Mm. who don't believe that as well. And that's super concerning. But I think for many of us, it's indicative of what we see in our churches. This is why we see the things that we see in our churches. So a couple of things I want to do. I want to get into this Ligonier survey, uh, the 2022 results, asking the question, what do we believe? Uh, but then also want to make sure that we define our terms. So what or who are evangelicals as defined by LifeWay Research? We'll look at that and a little bit more on the other side of the break. Aaron the Addisons, stay right there. Back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's great God, Jennifer Meckel. Our aim is to equip you to not only engage the culture, but to engage your family for the glory of God, to make sure that you secure your mask and then those closest to you, that would be those under the same roof. So your children and your grandchildren. 
and then those who are afar off, right? Everyone mm-hmm. that the Lord, our God will call. We want to minister to them, but we cannot step over uh, the spiritual corpses of our children to reach other people. <laughs> like we, I'm sorry. I know that's wow. kind of graphic. I'm sorry. Wow. But I mean, if we say that in Christ there is life, <laughs> then that means outside Amen. of Christ there is death. And so if we don't reach our children first with the gospel and we say we've got to have a ministry or we've got to, we've got a calling, like what else can I do? I'm just here with my kids. And, and we see that as insignificant. Then what we are actually doing is stepping over the corpses, spiritually speaking, of our children mm. to go and do, quote unquote, God's work. Mm. And I just think that's one of the great deceptions of the enemy to make us feel that we can only find significance and meaning outside of our homes, outside of the work that we're doing there. And I mean the same thing for men. Our brothers in the Lord uh, do not feel adequate to lead their families. So they look for um, accolades and they look to be, you know, um, patted on the back and, and all of these things in other places because to to have done a job well at home doesn't have the same ring to it as being a CEO of a corporation, but, but like you're the CEO of your family. Like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's, that matters in eternity. And so I really think that if we just one family at a time begin to shift things around and change our attitude, this is the change that we want to see in the nation as a whole, but it starts in our families. It starts with Mm -hmm. our children, securing your mask, coming to faith in the Lord, and then ensuring that your children and your grandchildren Come to faith in the Lord, the ardent faith, the faith that was once and for all delivered to us, not some, you know, 21st century America feel good, you know, sweet honey faith. (laughs) You know what I mean? That just that only works in our context, by the way. If the gospel doesn't work around the world, it's not the gospel. If if it's not the same thing that our brothers and sisters are receiving and hearing and willing to die for around the world, then indeed it's not the gospel. And I think far too often what we unfortunately have received is not the gospel. It's an American version of the gospel and by the way that used to have a good uh definition uh american christianity used to have a good uh definition we've talked about this before and we've looked at church history but today unfortunately that that definition is not good so so we're looking at the ligonier's uh ligonier ministries state of theology survey they it comes out every every couple years and so the 2022 results are out and i wanted to look at where we are not only in this country but where we are as evangelicals. Now, some people listening saying, well, what is an evangelical? How is that defined? We had to define this a lot um, during the election season, especially post-election when the evangelicals became the villains, the white evangelicals, not the black ones. (laughs) The black ones did not exist. The black ones didn't exist. They were ghosts. Okay, they were ghosts. (laughs) The, The black ones were figments of people's imagination. So, Anyway, which really throws people for a loop if you ever, you know, introduce yourself as a black evangelical. Um, All right. So here we go. Evangelicals, as defined by Lifeway Research, uh, four criteria. Is that right? Or four Mm -hmm. criterion? Anyways. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. The criteria, (laughs) which includes four criterion, um, are these. Here we go. Uh, The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Mm -hmm. So at this point, you should be kind of checking your definitions and saying, okay, where do I fall in all of this? Would I be defined as an evangelical Christian? I think it's important to note that for the purpose of this survey, that this definition is extended to the participants. This is how they describe themselves. Yeah, I I believe that. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so number one, the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Check. Okay. Number two, it is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their savior. Check. Mm-hmm. 
Number three, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. Okay. Yeah, that one, like without hesitation, right? Even if people are like, well, I don't know if I should tell people they you. Yeah, you believe that. Right. Which I think is interesting because some of the questions on the survey, um, I think, how do you answer that question in the affirmative that Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice, but then also say that God receives the worship from other faiths? Mm. Like, I don't I, I, I don't understand. So maybe there's just a disconnect that I'm not getting. Uh, and then finally, number four. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Check. That's a home run. That's a home run. And I, I, I want to say right now that there are some people listening and welcome. Cause for the first time you just said, I'm an evangelical. Right. Well, but I'm not white though. So you're right. Exactly. So can I really be? <laughs> or even, oh. even if you're white, you probably just heard that and you were like, well, I didn't know. Cause I was, I was wondering about the white evangelicals myself, but it turns out I are one. Yes. There you go. So you can write into CNN and let them know when they look at polls and they're discussing your people. <laughs> that's you. <laughs> evangelical. That's you. Um, all right. So that's the definition. Let me just jump kind of uh, jump kind of to the end here because Ligonier Ministries offers a conclusion on some of this data that um, I really want to make sure that we get to, and then we'll work our way back and look at the first question that I wanted to discuss today. So, so one, oh, one one quick question, I just saw this pop up, and I think okay. you know this distinction may need to be made. Uh, someone said I have a question uh, about the, what's the difference between an evangelical and Pentecostal or full gospel, like well. Uh, are all my brothers and sisters uh, just wondering, like, what's the difference when you say evangelical is what we just said, those four things, but wouldn't Pentecostal and, and things like that just be denominations? Yes. Denominations within the evangelical tradition. Yes. And so this would be distinct from other mainline traditions. Um, maybe that don't believe in proselytizing, maybe don't see uh, the word of God as their highest authority. Um, I, I, that's, that's what, that's how I would imagine that the difference is. But when we're talking about evangelical, if those are the four markers, then if I think that there meet those markers, some, then you are. At least according to Lifeway, there yeah. may be people who Have would different differ. Different definitions. Yeah. 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 There may be people who would differ on that, but according to Lifeway, th- those would be the four markers that would define you as an evangelical within the, um, evangelical tradition, mm-hmm. I would say you have other denominations right. that are present, but those things would be fundamental. So they would be foundational to what is defined as an evangelical. So if if you are Pentecostal or if you are uh, reformed or if you, I don't know the others that were listed there that you just said, but if, if you are those things, but you believe the four things that we just listed, then Lifeway and Ligonier Ministries, for the sake of this survey, would define you as an evangelical. And in fact, this is the description that we went to when a few years ago we were trying to help people off the ledge of the trauma of being called a white evangelical (laughs) or like we were just saying, hey, listen, this is what an evangelical is. And evangelicals are not only white. Exactly. Right. And so so don't let these people like, you know, attack you and and tell you that this is what an evangelical is like this is how an evangelical is classically defined um and i think um oh man i forget the exact name of it is it like the national association of evangelicals or something like that i think that lifeways definition 
is derived from that original definition. Like the, this is what an evangelical would be defined as. I could research that a little bit more. Yeah, but and just my on-the-spot reaction uh, response is that one. And the thing is, too, this this is for the the sake of this conversation today. You know, um, that we're talking about evangelicals and stuff like that. You know, my my sense would be even to just be leery of all titles, just be, you know, be yeah. Christians because things I've seen things change. You know, um, within titles, but man, if I if we're just following the Word of God and 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 even those things that were pointed out to be evangelical, mm-hmm. I think we're straight. You know. Yeah. 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 So I don't I don't think that the title matters so much yeah. as the belief. The belief. Exactly. If, if that if that makes sense. And I know yep. that may for some people that may sound um a little bit um too free. You know what I mean? Like I, that may seem a little bit too liberal. People love no, their titles. I so. But I think to the point <laughs> that you just made, we have to be careful about the titles that we wear because mm-hmm. they shift so much. Man. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so the definitions yeah then become more important. And, and a, a good example of this right now is the title of conservative. Right. So right. remember, not too long ago, <clears throat> excuse me, if you called yourself a conservative, that carried with it a certain definition that was agreed upon, right? Mm-hmm. And now we see that that definition is being steamrolled. And so there are people who, <laughs> while calling themselves conservative, would still be uh, touting things like, homosexual so-called marriage and you know maybe even supporting to some extent trans rights and and all of these things right um and so what's important to us is to understand the definitions like what is it that we really believe about who we are and about who christ is uh those things are important right and so i think for the sake of this discussion those four um those four points become valuable in us kind of establishing a baseline that this is this is what I believe. And mm-hmm. and can I can I say, um, and and again, I don't want to oversimplify when you've got four points that describe an evangelical. I don't want to <laughs> um oversimplify it by picking out any one of them because they're all obviously important. I'm not a researcher, so you know, kudos to the researchers who have been able to kind of boil these down to those four uh fundamental points. But I think number one only those who trust in Jesus alone as their savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. And then if I could say the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. And and maybe if we, and I, some people are not going to like this, but even if we said as an evangelical, the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. I think that that's going to um, help us unpack where we are in today's debate. And, and, and here's what I mean. Too often what we do is we kind of turn to our tradition as Christians. Mm. Well, this is what I've always been taught. Mm -hmm. We say, this is what I believe. I think what we are learning now is that it is vitally important for all of our belief and all of our doctrine and all of our theology to be obviously, uh, using that word on purpose here, to be obviously drawn from Scripture. So there are a lot of people who feel really good that they are theologians and they love to stand up and present things as if it's their original idea. Right. And it just makes them feel good. They're very heady. They, you know, and praise God that you've got people who are very heady and can explain deep theological truths and, and, you know, boil those down into a way that people can understand it. But the pride and the arrogance of 
some of the theologians that they are presenting something that they have been able to systematically arrive at, I think is very dangerous. And I think it's gotten us to a place where we are now that people don't believe they can find what they believe in scripture. It's just what their pastor teaches. It's just what the denomination they're a part of teaches. And what is the danger in that? Well, the danger in that is that you're at the mercy of your pastor and your denomination that they will not and have not veered from God's word. Mm -hmm. What is eternal and what we align ourselves against is the word of God. And this is so important. Even as we teach our children, you don't just make statements about who God is, right? Like you, you must defend that statement from God's word. You draw out your theology. You draw out your doctrine from the word of God. Not from, not from some, okay. I'm just trying to, Yeah. and I know, I know that's upsetting to people because we have like our favorites. We have our favorites Mm -hmm. and we're like, they've made such great contributions and that's great. And yes. And if, if you press and if you do the research, you will find that the contributions that our famous theologians have made, they have drawn those from scripture, but that's not what gets passed around. What gets passed around is so-and-so said, Well, you know what so-and-so said. And I'm like, ah, if we don't get to the place where we're able to say the word of God says, the word of God says, here's my conviction. Here is where I stand. And the reason I can do no other is because this is what the word of God says. Like, so, so even if my favorite, you know, um, you know, philosopher, and I don't mean to say that and and kind of be tongue in cheek here, but the person who has the, the huge platform, you know, who, who becomes everybody's famous theologian. If that person says something that's not biblically sound, I am able to say, but but where find you that in Scripture? Right, right. And that's an important question. That's the question that yes. Lady Jane Grey asked at 15 years old, you know, when being forced to recant her testimony about being saved by grace through faith and the authority of God's word. And she was um, she was being pressed by. Uh, oh, my goodness. I want to say. His name was Lord Feckingham mm-hmm. and and she was facing death. And, you know, he was he was trying to tell her and I know this is going to get me into trouble theologically here, but let me just this is the history. okay, church history. And he was trying to tell her that when we receive communion, that it actually becomes the the body and the blood of Jesus. It actually becomes the body and the blood of Jesus. And he's going through and she's about 15 years old and she's going back and forth with these very learned people, if you will. And one of her salient questions that we've taught our children in um, reading this account to them was where find ye that in scripture? Mm -hmm. Where find ye that? And I think, and that's one of the things that we've pressed into the hearts of our children, that when you hear people teaching things, your first question needs to be where find ye that in scripture that you can trust the word of God. And if a person is asserting something about God, about his character, about his nature, you need to ask where find you that in scripture. Amen. Lead lead me to a verse. Right. And and I think that's the confidence that we have in the word of God. Now I'm going to get into this study because obviously we're going to, we're going to run out of time. Um, Okay. So did, I don't know. Oh, good grief. (laughs) Oh, man. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're finding you that in time. (laughs) We're finding you that in minutes. All right. So the state. I'm just going to get into it. I was going to jump to the conclusion, but that's not smart because we're coming to the conclusion of this program very rapidly. Uh, The state of theology. What do Americans believe about God, salvation, ethics and the Bible? So, again, Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway every couple years takes the theological temperature as they say, of the United States. But what I find more important, all of it's important, but a little bit more important to me 
is what evangelicals are saying about who God is. And so one of the questions I want to look at, and I hear the music, so we're going to have to get to this on the other side of the break, is does God change? That was a question that was posed, mm. not only of Americans, but also of evangelicals. Does God change? We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. Aaron the Addisons, stay right there. Oh, Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for spending time with us, especially the one who talks a lot and doesn't get to the aim of the show. I just, who that? Man, you. <laughs> Obviously, it's you. Right. Um, whatever. It's you, okay? Uh, welcome back. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's crowned by the truth. Looking at Ligonier Ministries' state of theology, their survey every two years that they release the results to see where we are in the country, but then also where we are as evangelicals, which I find especially fascinating. And so I intended in the last segment and this segment to cover a lot more ground than I did. I apologize and repent, and you have mm-hmm. to forgive me if you're a Christian. So there's, <laughs> there's that. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine? Oh, I'm going to. Okay, here we go. Does God change? That's the question. Self-control. Does God change? Uh, Again, from the Ligonier uh, Ministries survey. As we look at ourselves and at the world, it is clear that human beings, along with the rest of creation, undergo undergo frequent changes. But does this principle of change apply to God as well? You should be polling yourself on this right now, by the way. You should be answering this question. Does God change? Okay. The Bible affirms the truth that the triune God is both omniscient, meaning that he knows all things, and immutable, meaning that he cannot and does not change. Despite this truth, the majority of adults in the United States believe that God both learns and adapts to different circumstances. Wow. So here's the statement. God learns. God learns Mm. and adapts to different circumstances. Wow. According to the findings, among U.S. adults, 51% agree that God learns and adapts to different circumstances, 32% disagree. 51% agree that God learns and adapts to circumstances or different circumstances. Now, what about for the evangelicals? Same statement, now polled, evangelicals, we've just defined that for you. So in the U.S., evangelicals, here's what the survey found, 48% of evangelicals, Agree. Now, these are the people that we've defined. As we just defined points, ourselves. Those four things. So, okay, Something so 48% <laughs> of us, 48% of us evangelicals mm. agree that God learns and adapts to different circumstances. Mm. Now, why is that important? Well, okay, so there, there are a few <laughs> questions that I, di- I did jot down. Because I do I show prep, okay? Too. Well, please, go ahead. You go ahead because, you know, go ahead. What oh, no, no. I, I'm thinking about why I would think that, man, it's, it's boggling my mind because the as far as those evangelicals that uh, strongly agree, it's mm-hmm. more than just the U.S., you know, uh, adults or whatever, you know? So I'm wondering how does this happen, but... I'm thinking we living in a in a time right now 
mm-hmm. with a, a lot of things that have been <laughs> solid for years and years and years are being seen like to change, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think the mindset, even amongst those who will be called evangelicals are going with the times. Like, yeah. so when you have, when you're living in a time where you're <laughs> saying that, you know, oh, yeah, a man can be a woman and a woman and all kind of things can like change. Yes. I think what's happening is we see that mindset seeping into the church and, and changing the way that we even view God. That he, I think you're so spot on. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think that's exactly the observation here. I, I think when you look at the way things are shifting so rapidly in our country, you have a lot of people believing that there there is new information that can be discovered all the time. Mm-hmm. And so then, therefore, God must also be a part of this discovery. Mm. That is to say that he must wow. also be discovering this new information. So I want to go because, you know, when, when you have a survey, you just have like it's straight, you know, zeros and ones. You can't drill down. But when I look at this, one of the things that I want to explore is why it is true or why it must be true that God does not change and that God does <laughs> not learn and adapt to different circumstances. So mm-hmm. we have God's inerrant word. We have God's eternal word. Which does where not he's, change. He's, and he says of himself that, that he, he does, does not, not change. change. Malachi right. 3, 6. He, he says that himself about himself. Okay. But even if you even if you didn't read the Bible. And for an evangelical, that should be solidified, like solid. Boom. Be, but like, go ahead. Point blank, right? Because yeah. because number one on the list of yes. criteria is that you believe <laughs> right. that God's word is your highest authority. Exactly. So that means for all of the ways that you live so, and all the ways that you process, you use God's word. Some it becomes people might your not filter. Be saved though. That, that might, well, but, and that's a hard that's a hard thing to realize. Now, but I'll, I will let me pull a page from your playbook though, because you just you just pulled a page from mine. <laughs> your playbook, you would say some people just are not discipled. Yeah. Some people just are not but trained man, like, to yeah, understand yeah. why some of the yeah. things that they have grown to believe are just not wow. true. And not only not yeah. true, but offensive to a holy and righteous God. And I, yeah. I think that's where we've got to come to rest, that it's not just that we're going, oh, I can't believe you believe that. Like, it's not, you know, mock them in the hall. It is, wait, hold on a second. Let's establish something here first, first off. One, have you come to know Jesus Christ? Right. Have you come to know who he is? Have you come to see uh, the truth in God's word, to see that God's word is truth? Have you adopted that full stop, like without qualifiers? Have you adopted God's word? Has that become your life? Right. But then go a step further. If you believe that God learns and you believe that God adapts. okay, (laughs) um, how is that problematic for everything else that you believe about God? And it sounds like the people that believe that don't know God. Well, yeah, if it you does believe sound that, that the way. God that they're talking about adapts and changes, like that's not the God they don't of the know. Bible. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I think to say that point blank is a fact. If you say that God adapts or he learns, man, learns. Just, it's yes. so offensive. I mean, ask Job. <laughs> Job will it's, tell you who this on. God is. <laughs> gird, gird, gird up your loins. Ready yourself like a man, God said to Job. And I'm going to tell you some things. Oh, my goodness. We got to read Job, right? But can I, so if we, let's let's just ask some practical questions. So I was writing these down and, and I just, you know, first question is this. What does change of any sort suggest? So I want to appeal by way of reason 
to any Christian who would say, well, yeah, of course God learns and he changes and he adapts. I mean, because as time goes and he's interacting with, you know, different people in different times. And so, okay, so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think through what might be the reason that people would give, because believe me, if you want to be generous, there are people who have thought out their position. Okay. And probably would argue their position. So I want to, by way of reason, appeal to people by asking a series of questions and then, of course, answering those questions. Okay, here we go. So first question is, what does change of any sort suggest? What does change? Like, if we say that God changes, right? Because Mm -hmm. to say that he learns or to say that he adapts is to say that he changes, right? Mm. So if he is learning and mm-hmm. if he is adapting, if he is changing, we are saying that he is imperfect. Mm-hmm. We are saying that he is not eternally existent in perfection. Now, why is that important? Because he is perfect. Right. Because there is none like him. And here's the other thing. Okay, so um, theological term here, we use this to describe the attribute of God, um, the 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 understanding of God that he exists of himself. This is called a saity. Mm-hmm. So in other words, when we say that the, the, um, the attribute of God of his aseity, we say that he has need of nothing and no one outside of himself, that he is absolute perfection. He is dependent on nothing outside of himself for his existence. He exists aseity of self. Okay, aseity, it is of self. So God exists of himself. So when we say that God is perfect and when we say that he does not change, okay, we are saying that he has need of nothing outside of himself. In order for a person to change or for a person to adapt, it automatically suggests that there was something inferior prior to that change. Exactly. It It automatically suggests that there was something that person needed to attain. You, you, you started at this place, but, but now you're here. Okay, so that's question number one. Man, well, go no. ahead. Well, the great. No, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking about what you're saying, you know, and I'm thinking about how mind-blowing it is. There's a couple accounts in the scripture where it said that, that God relented and changed his mind about something that he was going to do. But that, to me, always spoke of the power of God because I always c- came from the, the, the background or the understanding that this is God who changes not, but because of uh, uh, intervention through prayer and intercession, he changed his mind or the Bible said relented on what he was going to do. But that didn't change him as being, you know, God or learning something. No, because whenever God relented of something, whenever God said, I'm not going to do what you deserve, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do what you deserve. It reveals, and and all of them run concurrently. Like God's yes. attributes are not at war with one another. So whenever God relents, when and we we see probably uh, one of, if not the greatest display of this, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. As Shailen said this beautifully in a rap, and so to quote a rapper in talking about <laughs> theology, I think Shailen is a good one to do that. You see all of the attributes of God meet at the cross. Mm. So when we see God relenting of something or saying, you know what? You deserve this, but I'm not going to do this. You know, it, first of all, his purpose does not change, mm-hmm. right? His purpose does not change. His purpose is stand firm. Amen. But what you see coming from the Lord is a display of his mercy. 
This is a, all of these things. If you look at the Old Testament, Augustine said, and I say this a lot, it's so important for us to understand because there are people who will describe God mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this upsets me. We'll describe God as the Old Testament God and the New Testament God, as if now, you know, out comes the New Testament God through these curtains, like Mm. as if the eternal God changes. Mm. And I think that's what confuses people when you say the Old Testament God and now we this New Testament God. (laughs) Please stop saying stuff like that because the Lord, our God is eternal. And so like Augustine said, he he pointed out um, that the, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, mm-hmm. concealed. You don't see it. God has baked the cake, put all the ingredients in it, but then determined when you would taste it. Yeah. They're, they're all in there from the beginning. Right. Guys, this is, this is why prophecy works. Mm-hmm. This, this is why God is able to tell of the things that will come because he's not growing up with us. Amen. He's not living life with us and experiencing things and going, oh, I can't believe cars. <laughs> right. Cars. Airplanes. Oh, huh? my goodness. Airplanes. Wow. <laughs> Cell phones. <laughs> really? Who knew? No, this is not the God that we serve. But when we paint a picture, and this is so important, guys, when we paint a picture of this Old Testament, let me finish the, the Augustine quote. Okay, so he says that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed and that the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Revealed. So when we see in the Old Testament are shadows and types, they are things that are going to take on a greater and a deeper meaning for us as God chooses as God chooses to reveal his eternal plan coming into greater and greater focus. This is what the apostle Paul referred to in Ephesians where he said there were things that were concealed. Mm -hmm. These things were hidden for ages, but he says they've now been revealed to the prophets and the apostles. Mm -hmm. There were things that angels longed to look into, but God has (laughs) now made them known, right? Like they're, they're just like, but why them? Like, I mean, I mean, I don't know that I'm just, that's Miki being a little dramatic here, but you know, anyway, but they long to look into these things. Yes. But God concealed these things for ages. So when you see God relenting, when you see God clearly showing this is what you deserve, but I am I I choose mm-hmm. to hold this back from you. All right? And even the invitation of prayer and petition. Yes, and repentance. And repentance. Like, yes, powerful. Like you know, I see all of that within those accounts. Like and that should be instructive for us today that intercession, prayer, repentance, you know, <laughs> Uh, towards God, man, it, it, it does something. Like, it's powerful. real. It's powerful. But anyway, we were talking about, you're talking about, you know, uh, can God learn and can he change? Let's get back to the survey. I know that. So it's problematic. Kind of no, I off. think it's great. No, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I went along willingly. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's important for us to drill down and ask ourselves and even ask of our children. Guys, you know, this is where our great conviction uh, lies with the gospel being received intact by the next generation that's with mm. us now. Okay, like they don't just bring on the scene. They're with us now. But we have to ask questions, not just say, you know, I guess in in New Orleans vernacular. Boy, of course, God doesn't change. (laughs) That's that's how that's how, you know, (laughs) what we call big mama would say it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Of course, go sit down somewhere. God ain't learning with you. You know, but but we can think a little bit deeply or a little a little bit deeper about these uh, these questions and kind of formulate a defense based on what God has said to us just has said to us about himself and i think that's important and i'm i'm getting a little tongue-tied because i'm looking at the time and we're Part gonna have two. to <laughs> yeah my goodness <laughs> people like you with these series I'm sorry okay <clears throat> come back tomorrow here it is it is so important for us to understand that god alone possesses if you will what we define as a saity meaning he has need of nothing or no one he is the 
uncreated creator. He is the uncaused cause. He exists of himself. So when you say or suggest that he changes or that he learns, you are suggesting that he needs something outside of himself mm. to make him who he is. Mm. He needs. This is why he told Moses, go tell Pharaoh, I am sent you. In other words, I'm not defined even by any of my creation. I am who I am. Mm. All right. Ah, we're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless you.